Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. So we're back to school and the world is shut down. What do you do if you have some time on your hands, want to volunteer and help people? Are there ways to do that? In this episode of The Scent Life, uh, we want to highlight some ministries and some volunteer opportunities that uh, may be right in your backyard. People need your help. Thanks again for joining us on the Scent Life podcast. I'm Greg Mathias, along with my colleague, Scott Hildreth. You hear us week in and week out. This is a special episode for us. We are welcoming back uh, students to our campus here in Wake Forest on the campus of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, also the college at Southeastern. Uh, We're glad to finally be in the same space, physical space with our students. Uh, One of the things we talk about in every classroom since we're the Great Commission Seminary is how do you take what you're learning and then the life you're living outside the classroom and inject it with Great Commission fervor. And so what we like to do at the beginning of each semester is highlight the Great Commission. Uh, We do that through uh, multiple emphases, including a special chapel and a special day set aside four missions, what God's doing around the world. We also have a week where we highlight opportunities and ways to get involved. And so on this episode, join us as we hear from multiple ministries around our area in the RDU area about what they're doing, how God has been using them even in the midst of COVID, but also how you can find out more, be involved in the ministry, and not just for our RDU area. We know our listeners are all across the country and even around the world. There's also opportunities to find out where there's similar ministries, maybe in your community. And so I hope you'll be encouraged, hope you'll be engaged, and we hope and we pray that the Great Commission becomes more than just what we talk about, but we actually live it out. So uh, we want to welcome Scott Jablonski to our podcast today. And uh, Scott, you work with Apartment Life. Tell us a little bit about the ministry of Apartment Life, if you would. Sure. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. I really love Apartment Life. Uh, It's been a part of my life over the past five years, not only serving as a team, but also as a program director. Uh, Apartment Life started in 2000 uh, by someone that was graduating seminary and just had a heart for people in apartment communities. And then since 2000, we have grown to 35 states, 550 communities uh, nationwide, and now we're in Canada as well. And some of the stats that he had come across was that 50 million people live in apartment communities now, and 95% of those people will never darken the doors of the church. And so we just have a heartbeat to reach for those people that won't ever come through the doors. We place individuals to live in communities uh, for two years. They live as missionaries. We allow single people. We allow married couples, but then also roommates as well. And we really believe just in relational evangelism. You know, we we know that it's going to be a marathon and not a sprint. And so we want those teams to serve 
for two years and really to be pressing in and leaning in where see where God is moving in that apartment community. Apartment life, uh, we like to call ourselves a business street. It's where we take a business model and we get to do ministry. And really the business model is about helping apartment communities with their resident retention. And so you're building community, you're doing monthly events, you're doing welcome and renewal visits, welcoming people to the community, things that, you know, that we love to do as pastors and get our people to live on mission and where they're at. We get to place those couples, those individuals living there, and they get the, they get the keys to the kingdom. They get to go knock on people's door. Uh, the managers want them to do that and get to know them. And so I love the, the business tree because that business model, as we continue to just help people stay longer, that really affects the bottom line of the apartment community. And so their return on investment is hundreds of thousands of dollars as people stay. But I love, as a, as a pastor of 24 years, I love that ministry side. I get to be a pastor to the community. You know, I get to meet people and get to lean in and see what God is doing in their lives and have continued conversations and get, getting to love on them. Yeah, Scott, what a great uh, phrase and what a great model business tree. I like that a lot where you're really a blessing to the apartment uh, complex, uh, to the business side of it, of retention. But you mentioned these words of community uh, and relationship. Uh, those words have been beaten up over the last six months because of this thing yeah. called COVID. So yeah. how is that impacting apartment life and the things that you guys want to do on both the business side and the ministry side? How's that impacting? You know, on the business side, really, the, the apartment communities, those managers have just been overwhelmed, you know, wondering if people were going to be able to pay rent. Uh, people were complaining because you couldn't come in and do work orders and have just really seen a need for that community. And so actually during this time, our, our ministry has grown. It's been really such a blessing how the Lord's just been so faithful to use something like this pandemic to really grow our ministry. At the early onset of COVID, we really thought and the leadership thought with Apartment Life that we would shrink back as apartment communities were concerned about being able to pay bills. But as they realized just the value of the community and people just needing to connect, you know, many of our managers don't know the Lord, but they don't realize that, you know, we're built to have fellowship and community. And so our ministry has really grown because of that. And so as things were really strict in the beginning, many of our teams just did virtual events where people still got to do the Zoom, still got to just be outside their, their apartment and getting to know people. And slowly as we've come out of COVID, we continue to do more social distancing, but those events, people are just loving and connecting. And so as we go into this budget season where communities are considering adding our program for 2021, we have a lot more targeted properties in Raleigh-Durham, but across the United States as well. These companies have seen, wow, this, this has been amazing for our community. We need to add it here, here, and here, and here. Our teams, have, you know, they're just in the perfect spot to love on residents and to help those that are high at risk as well. And so management, you know, really wants to be that softer side and offer that touch. But it's really our teams get to come and, and get to do that. That's amazing. So you guys are, you have ministry in our area, Raleigh-Durham, sure. North Carolina, but you also have ministry uh, throughout the United States. We'll have people listening 
not just in our area, but uh, around the United States. So Scott, how can someone who's interested in knowing more about apartment life find you guys, get in touch with you, and what are some needs that you guys have for folks to help work with you right now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Because uh, we are set up by regions, my region that I'm a part of is Mid-Atlantic, North Carolina, South Carolina, and I actually cover territory from Winston-Salem to the beach. And so we have some different needs throughout North Carolina that I know of, several through South Carolina that I know of. But as we get outside the regions, people can actually go to our website, apartmentlife.org, and begin to check where those openings are at. And we have everything from West Coast to Southwest, Midwest. We've just really blown up in the Northeast. And so I love that you guys reach really nationally because our ministry does as well. And, and so, yeah, we have several things that we're looking to target here in Raleigh-Durham, but also nationwide as well. Uh, very helpful information. But uh, Scott, help our listeners out just a little bit. We've talked really a lot about what is apartment life, uh, how people can get, begin to get connected but I want to focus on that life piece of apartment life. Do you have some sort of story about uh, just how God has used apartment life in the lives uh, of some of the people? Help us hear about what God's doing. Yeah, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with my teams locally and just really trying to encourage them, you know, I really want them to live on mission. You know, it's loving God, loving people, inviting them into your life, into your rhythms, and so I actually have a, a gentleman, as my wife and I still serve as a team, that his, his name is James. He uh, is from Taiwan. He moved to our apartment community not knowing anyone. And his family's still in Taiwan. And because of COVID, they've not had the chance to come here. But is desperately just seeking community and friendship. And ultimately, he's seeking the Lord and just doesn't know it. But over the past several months, we've gotten to know each other really well because he's become my running partner. And so we hang out four or five times a week running or we'll have him over for dinner and we'll play games, but he wouldn't consider himself religious. And we've had several just different conversations. He knows that I'm a pastor and, and my love for the Lord. And so we've had different conversations. And the amazing thing is I can continue to see how the Lord just continues to work in his life. Uh, we've been out running a couple times and we'll be on the street and we'll have stopped and we're talking and I'll never forget last month on the anniversary of his younger brother's death. Uh, it was one year anniversary. His brother had passed away from cancer. Really just kind of broke my heart. And even though he doesn't believe in the Lord or even in God necessarily, he was like, hey, can you pray for me? Can you pray for my family? And normally, you know, when we're in church, we're like, oh, yeah, brother, I'll be praying for you. He was like, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and pray. And like, he bowed his head. And we're on this major thoroughfare. We just got done running. And we're praying to a God he doesn't even really know exists or not. And so I love how the Lord just continues to steer our conversations. And I really just feel like the Lord is going to just make himself known to him and reveal himself to him. Man, thank you so much for sharing that. We love the ministry of apartment life, the opportunity that it affords Christians to live on mission. And so, Scott, thanks so much for, for being with us. We appreciate your time and appreciate the conversation today, brother. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you both. So, hey guys, thank you. Right now we've got Jeremy, uh, who is with the Raleigh Dream Center. Jeremy, welcome to 
uh, the Scent Life podcast. Thanks so much for being here with us. Can you take just a second and uh, tell us about the work that Raleigh Dream Center is doing? Sure. Um, so the Dream Center was started back in 2014, and uh, I, my wife and I started it. And it was basically an outreach ministry to local communities where we would go and bring mobile food pantry. And then it grew into games for kids, basketball hoops, soccer goals, and all that kind of stuff. And we expanded into multiple communities around Wake County. And our bigger passion is also to get into the recovery ministry. We're in the uh, face of a lot of addicts in the, in the communities that we serve. And we really want to bring the light of Christ into those communities, but also to show that uh, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We want to preach the gospel in these communities. Um, but I always think of that passage of the lost coin, where we're turning over all kinds of, we're knocking on every door in Wake Forest and Raleigh, Roseville, uh, to find those who need salvation, but also more so those who feel unloved, and especially those who find themselves in an addiction situation, where uh, we will uh, be offering recovery ministry starting in the fall, and also opening a recovery home later next, earlier next year. And that'll be the place where once we find somebody in need, we can bring them and invite them in and get them into a Christ-centered program and get them back on their feet through the Lord. So that's a little window of what we do there. Wow. Now, that's really helpful. And, and I like the, the kind of long-term vision, such a need uh, of, mm -hmm. of a people that honestly are overlooked. Uh, or oftentimes, there's, people don't feel like they have the resources to help. So I really do appreciate that vision. Tell us a little bit more. Again, you started this in 2014. It's the Dream Center. Let's just say 2020 has been a nightmare so far uh, <laughs> with COVID. So how has that impacted what you're able to do through the Raleigh Dream Center? Maybe uh, it's impacted it negatively or it could be positive. What's the impact been? Yeah, you know, it has radically changed our ministry, and it, our ministry actually exploded into a lot of new communities um, where the Lord was just, uh, when on day one in March, March 16th, when the email came out that the schools were closing, um, we got in touch with the county and said, hey, for these, we were serving in seven communities at the time. And we said, can we take the school meals and serve them Monday through Friday in those communities? So we went to the school, picked up the food, and then we started serving in those communities. And our numbers were way higher than what the school systems were doing because um, the, they opened schools to serve meals, but it was curbside and people with transportation issues just weren't being able to get to the school. So the county asked us to expand and I said, well, what's the limit? And they said, there is no limit. How far can you go? I said, I'm going to call local churches and I'm going to get them involved. And we would say, here's an identified apartment complex or mobile home park. And here's a church right next door. And I'd call that church and say, hey, can you serve these meals? And this is a gospel opportunity uh, right here next door to you. And so we ended up expanding into 28 communities. And as a matter of fact, I mean, I, I was kind of the naive part of saying, hey, we're going to serve until the schools open back up which I thought was going to be two, three, four weeks, maybe. And here it is in August. And we're now in, in the completion of August, we have served over 500,000 meals since March 16th. And that program closes in, in August. And then in September, we're rolling into a new program uh, to continue serving the meals uh, in our own way in the communities. Uh, but man, it, it was a, a whirlwind, and I'm still amazed that our team, God brought the right people, expanded us into these communities, and the gospel opportunities in 28 communities across Wake County, from all the way to the south side of, 
of Raleigh into the north side and Rollsville, Youngsville, and all, all sorts of areas in the backyard of Southeastern. Uh, but it's just been an amazing process. And that's great. So half a billion meals served. That's a, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's a whole lot of work, man. So Jeremy, just really quickly, how, obviously this is not a ministry that you can do by yourself. And so how is it that someone can join you guys, find you, come alongside? What are some needs that you have currently that uh, folks in our area or even, even around the country uh, would be able to jump in and help with? Sure. Well, that, one of the easiest ways is our website, RaleighDreamCenter.org. Uh, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And we tell a lot of our stories there. Um, but online, there's a, uh, we have all of our serve opportunities, and we've made it very easy. Uh, and also, we've made it very clear because we, we have an interesting problem where we've had too many volunteers signing up, uh, which is crazy, right? Uh, at one point, we were seeing 425 volunteers a week that we were managing, and we were also controlling it because in the COVID environment, we don't want 40 volunteers descending on a community. Um, so we were making it real simple. We were looking for three to five volunteers per site. We were finding local churches to champion that, and they did. They were sending leaders, and then we, through our website, you can, like I said, you can go on, you'll see a Sign Up Genius link, and you can see the date, the location, the time, and it's, it's very easy. You just show up at the time that you're assigned. And so that's how we've been able to put a lot of people in. And um, there's been a lot of changes uh, each week because if there were a COVID case in a certain community, then you know we had to decide, are we gonna continue serving in that local community? Are we gonna um, to make some modifications? So there was a lot of ebb and flow in that process. Um, but we continue to see that. And so our needs at this point, um, certainly we have volunteer needs and those are happening Monday through Saturday. Almost every, every week we have so many options. You could serve in a community, you can serve in our warehouse, or you can serve you know, on, on Saturdays. We need drivers, people picking up food. Uh, food drives are a huge thing for us. So as people are able to do food drives, we have small groups and churches, and, and that's really carried us into the communities. Uh, and so that's what keeps our ministry consistent. Uh, and then, of course, the financial piece of this, our ministry costs almost doubled every month. And so, uh, and, and praise the Lord, God gave us some incredible support in March and April and May. And, and so we did see a swell there. But now as we look further, we want to make sure that we're stable going into the next season um, so that we don't overextend ourselves and, and hurt the ministry. Uh, but that's, that's the walk of faith that we're in and trusting the Lord to provide for us. I don't know about our listeners, but I think they probably would resonate with me just hearing about uh, all of the ministry opportunities, uh, the expansion of the ministry opportunities, even in this chaotic COVID time is just, and praise God, but it's exciting. And so uh, I appreciate all the ways that people can be praying for what's going on, but also uh, get involved, especially through your website. And uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram. You've told us about some of the unique opportunities you've had over the last couple months. But Jeremy, uh, help our listeners out. Uh, is there one story that comes to mind as you think about uh, the Raleigh Dream Center and how it's ministering to people. Is there, uh, there a story that kind of comes to mind that you could uh, tell our listeners about? Yes, I, I can tell you uh, too many stories come to mind. Um, the, there was a lady in Roseville 
at a, at a mobile home park out there. And it's a rural part of the county. And I was out there the first day, just we were knocking on doors and saying, hey, the schools are closed, but we're going to offer these meals every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And, and we're out kind of at a far location. And I remember seeing this mobile home that I, I thought certainly nobody lives in there. It was very dilapidated and it just didn't look right, you know, and, um, and, and I just to be diligent, I still knocked. I actually didn't even have a front door. There was a piece of plastic over the door where the door should have been. And I knocked on the side of it. And sure enough, a couple of dogs barked and this lady came out and she had, she was a mother of four, a single mom of four kids. And when I shared that in, in broken Spanish, uh, it, it, as I shared in this community, that we were going to be there every day uh, for her kids to bring these meals. And she just broke down crying. And the relief that she had on her face was tremendous. And, and it's those types of things. I, I just remember sitting in the car and crying after that, just because you're so moved and you, you're seeing these circumstances that God is using us in these communities. And, and uh, from, from there, our team was able to pray with her many times and to share about the Lord, to share our faith. And, uh, and just watching the Lord use the volunteers in that way. We had another community uh, where we saw 13 kids come to faith in Christ um, because our teams were there every day uh, serving faithfully and just getting to know the kids by name and calling them out and praying for them, loving them constantly and sharing their faith. And, and again, to see 13 kids in a small community that, that place their faith in Christ is just powerful. And, and that's why we do what we do. Amen. Thank you so much, Jeremy. What a great, I mean, great story mm -hmm. and uh, great ministry opportunity. I so appreciate you being willing to flex your ministry goals when COVID steps in and just amazing to see how the Lord blesses those. So to those of you who are listening to our podcast, if you're local in our area, uh, look up the Raleigh Dream Center online and find ways to volunteer. If you're not in our area, as Jeremy said, there are tremendous financial needs mm -hmm. uh, that mm -hmm. they have that you can help with uh, to make sure that this ministry can continue and that, that families like this lady that Jeremy mentioned can continue to have food uh, and other services for them. Jeremy, thanks a ton for being with us today. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We want to welcome Michelle Suffrage to our podcast today. Michelle, tell us a little bit about the work that you do. You serve refugees, uh, specifically in the uh, Raleigh area, but tell us about your ministry, the name of your ministry, and the work that you guys do. Yeah, well, the name of my ministry is Refugee Hope Partners, and we exist to love our refugee neighbors with the hope of the gospel and partnership with the local church. And we want to see the local church as an agent of change moving toward this vulnerable population. Uh, we serve families who we have a family that arrived a couple of weeks ago and we, we um, walk alongside families who've been here for 10 or 15 plus years. So we have a long history of friendship and relationship and ultimately we just want to walk alongside people as neighbors and friends. Wow that's that's fantastic and I know that type of work's not only needed but it also poses certain challenges. And in the last half a year, uh, we've all faced the challenge of this pandemic of COVID. And so uh, what about the impact of COVID on, on what you're doing in your ministry right now? How has that impacted what you do day to day? Yeah. 
it's impacted everything. I think our word for 2020 is pivot. I feel like we've pivoted so many times that we all have whiplash a little bit. There really wasn't any warning. This happened really quickly. We have historically run really large programs. We have had a tutoring program. We maybe 150 kids a day come through and we have Bible studies, 20, 25, 30 kids that meet during the week. And none of that was possible for a while. And so when North Carolina was in phase one, uh, we focused on our first pivot was families are gonna be not being able to access food at school. People are gonna start losing jobs. And so our first pivot was just providing like resources, food resources for families that we knew that were gonna be struggling. Once that kind of stabilized, our next plan was to do home visits and just do face-to-face checking on people instead of a, a one-size-fits-all food box distribution, see how everyone in the community was doing. Um, that kind of took us up until about end of May, beginning of June, uh, and the kids had really been out of school since uh, mid-March, and so we shifted to our large summer program, which has historically been called Read and Swim, where we have over 100 kids that read and swim every week. We shifted into a small group learning cohort model where six to seven, eight kids met with a tutor uh, twice a week for an hour, mask, social distancing. The kids did really well. They uh, moved ahead academically and it was just sweet to be together. Uh, our ESL program uh, wasn't able to meet because we couldn't provide childcare. So we shifted to a craft night, women's craft night using a storytelling storytelling model. We focused on hospitality and the women made tea trays and we uh, told the story of Mary and Martha to them. Our Bible studies have had to shift to small groups uh, where there had been a lot of kids. We've got five or six kids in a small group now that are meeting all over the triangle area and those are just starting to get restarted again. So um, this fall, we're not gonna, the kids aren't gonna be in school again. Uh, we can't do homework help, so we're doing online support in the morning for students. So they have a place to go to get online and access their learning, and then homework help uh, in small groups from 12:30 in the afternoon till 9:30 at night. So everything is is spread out, smaller numbers. That requires more staff, more volunteers, more space. But we have, you know, we've had folks generously come alongside us this summer. And we've been able to activate on these things in order to make uh, make this shift happen for us. Man, with that kind of ministry, you must have a tremendous need for volunteer help. Obviously, you can't pay that many people to come in. So can you talk to us and, and our, our listeners just a minute about the type of volunteer uh, needs that you have and and how can someone connect with your ministry or perhaps even sister ministries that you would know of? Our volunteer need is really great. School, the first two weeks of school started the 17th of August have been focused on just an on-ramping of kids to get them connected. We set a goal of 100% of our kids would be online. We would be able to help them get online. We're going to shift next week into more homework help mode where again, like the summer, six or seven kids with a volunteer we have um, three apartments. We just added a third apartment and a community center, but they, the max number they can have is 10 to 14 people. And so it's just spreading everything we're doing out for longer and longer periods of time. So we actually have a massive need for volunteers. 
Um, we're hopeful that by Monday we'll be able to have a skeleton framework to at least start some things, but we honestly are still a long way from our goal. Um, to find out more about those opportunities, you can go to uh, refugeehopepartners.org and there's a link there to serve fall 2020 and it tells you how to get activated on that. We are uh, running safe programs, we're following CDC guidelines, we're taking temperatures, doing all the things that, you know, schools are doing and, and small groups socially distanced. So we feel good about the way we're doing it, but the kids are in desperate need of moving forward educationally. Yeah, so I hope our uh, listeners are paying attention, especially those in the uh, RDU area, uh, that if they go to refugeehopepartners.org, uh, there's a massive need right now uh, to be involved through volunteering. And so uh, as we hear about the ministry, what's happening, how it's been impacted, uh, even uh, amidst COVID, uh, do you have just a, a story that you could share with us that demonstrates uh, really just the impact, the impact of the ministry at, on real lives in the real world? Yeah, I asked my team this morning, I said, throw me some stories, and I want some stories coming from you guys, and, uh, you know, we we have not been together um, consistently. It's been a really sad. It's a communal, and the, the way that people live here is communal, and we haven't been able to be in people's homes like we would like, and uh, the Bible studies that we have run are big, and we had to break them down into smaller groups, and one of, my, um, one of my team members shared the story that she messaged a refugee young woman who has been coming to Bible study who hasn't been there to tell her that that's starting back this week, the small group Bible study. And I'm going to read her words to you. This, this was her response. Uh, I'm so happy to hear this. This is the message I have been waiting for. I can't wait to have Bible study again. Thank you for letting me know. I'm so happy. And so us being able to enter back into relationship in person, we've tried Zooming. We've tried, you know, all the ways that you connect with people, but just being together is, is going to be really sweet. And Another story that I can share, even of just this past two weeks, you know, kids were out of school all March, all since March. I wasn't sure what it would be like when we started back, if they would be resistant, you know, they're kind of in that mode of play. Kids were walking around with laptops, like I said, like the zombie apocalypse, like they did not know what they were supposed to be doing, but they just knew they were supposed to be doing something, and they were just circling around our space, but there was a young boy that had some issues last year, behavioral issues and learning issues. And he was just pacing up and down the stairs. And I said, Prince, what are you doing? And he said, I don't want to miss my class. And I said, it's what time is it? And he said, it's at 1040. I said, it's 910. You need to just go play and come back. And I turned around and did something and I came back and he's still just pacing up and down the stairwell. It's just really important to them. So that's been encouraging to me to see how much these kids want to be connecting and to see them connect with their teachers and everyone says, yay, is, you know, has been really sweet. We've gotten to see that a lot over the last couple of weeks. That really is. That's fantastic. That's encouraging just to hear those stories. Uh, it's encouraging to hear how God is working through Refugee Hope Partners. Again, I hope our listeners will check out your website. And even if they aren't in this area, there might be ways to support your ministry uh, and also look for similar ministries in their part of the country. And so thanks again for joining us, Michelle, and uh, we're excited about Refugee Hope Partners. Thanks, guys.
so now we want to uh, introduce you to James. James lives in our part of the country in the Triangle, works for the State of Baptist Convention of North Carolina. He also works with an organization called SIT. James, thanks so much for being uh, with us on The Scent Life. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your ministry? What does SIT do? I've had the privilege of one way or another just getting to volunteer with, with SIT over the last 10 years. Uh, even before we ever moved overseas, uh, when we were at seminary as uh, at Southeastern, um, as uh, students in the missions program there, we just wanted to get connected with uh, internationals here in the Triangle. Like knowing we're we're in a missions program, we have a an eye to going overseas. Like how are we going to stay in this Christian bubble? So we got connected with SIT back then, uh, 10, 10, 11 years ago, and uh, just. What SIT stands for, it stands for Sundays Internationals Together. And essentially what it's doing is it's uh, it's pretty much a catalyst for uh, creating sp space for believers, uh, our volunteers, uh, to meet and uh, befriend international students uh, at NC State. And so we usually, in, a, in any normal year, we have a number of uh, activities we do throughout the year. Uh, first, we usually start with airport pickups in the summer when we're literally picking up uh, new students. It's their very first time uh, to America and what better way to, to welcome our international friends than to be there with, with signs at, at, the, at the airport and uh, to really just uh, help them get, get situated. We will have uh, furniture collections for these new students because they've come here with nothing, uh, literally, uh, except for a few suitcases. We'll just uh, have welcome uh, deliveries, welcome gift deliveries, usually uh, in the first month. And then throughout the semester, we, we have a number of, of activities that we usually do, like game nights, Super Bowl parties, around festivals. We try to we try to learn about their festivals. So uh, we have a huge Indian student community at NC State. So Diwali in the fall, uh, usually in October, the Festival of Lights, or Holy, the Festival of Color uh, in, in the spring, usually will uh, we'll participate in, in those. Uh, usually nothing, nothing religious entailed, just you know, have, having fun, eating some good, good food, and learning about their their festivals, and then likewise around uh, Christmas or Easter, Thanksgiving, we're having events, bringing them together with our, our volunteers. We also encourage our volunteers to invite their students uh, into their homes, uh, especially around the holidays, but just throughout the semester as well. So we really wanna, we don't wanna be an event-driven ministry, even though like events are the catalyst, really the, the vision behind everything we do is it's catalytic that we're just creating the opportunity for our volunteers to befriend these students and then really giving those, those volunteers the responsibility to, to follow up with those students throughout the semester, throughout the year, throughout their stay at NC State and even beyond graduation so that they're developing a, some, sometimes a lifelong uh, relationship with these guys. No, that's fantastic. That's really helpful to uh, give our uh, listening audience an understanding of SIT, but uh, you use this word over and over again, James, and th the word was usual or usually, and we've been in right. anything but usual times uh, <laughs> since COVID hit. And so how has that impacted the, the ministry and the work of SIT? Yeah, that's the million dollar question for everybody in, in ministry these days. And honestly, in the spring, we really just scaled back. We didn't know 
uh, what to expect. And, you know, nobody knew what, what was happening. So we really just hit, hit the brakes almost on everything. Um, we, we had a graduation gift uh, delivery we did for our recent graduates. Just say, hey, you guys are going. We love you guys. Goodbye. Uh, keep in touch. Uh, and then we did a few virtual game nights. But other than that, um, we didn't do much. Uh, we really, uh, we really regrouped over the summer. And of course, now we all have a better understanding of, of what the nature of, of this is and what we can and can't do and how we can, how we can social distance and be respectful, but, you know, still letting our light shine. Um, we like to say that, you know, we might be quarantined, but you can't quarantine the gospel. We still have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We still have to be going out. And knowing these students, they're, uh, you know, they're some of the most vulnerable uh, of all. You know, they're apart from their families halfway across the world. In a lot of ways, the volunteers um, become like a second family to them. So we said we really need to kind of rethink what we're doing and really go back to who we are supposed to be. And that is like really owning the owning these relationships. And so now we're actually looking at it rather than, you know, like a difficulty or a challenge. We're looking at it as an opportunity. We, you know, you might've heard that student visas have been, been canceled for, um, for incoming students. And they actually, they actually almost canceled the, the, uh, the visas of our um, existing students if they're gonna be all online. And that was a huge, huge point of prayer. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but uh, we we obviously didn't have uh, any new students, and usually we have like like two two to three thousand new international students uh, join us at NC State every summer. So it's huge. Uh, rather than uh, looking at that as like a, a challenge or something you know something to be sad about, we looked at it as an opportunity to go deep with the students that we already had relationships with. So over the summer, we we reached out to them last month. Uh, the students that we already had on our on our list uh, with SIT from last year, and just said, "Hey, look, we're uh, we're getting ready to start the new semester. We want to deliver a welcome back gift, knowing that you guys are starting your new semester. We are so happy that you're back with us, and we just want to show you a little bit of love, and it's free. and And all you have to do is say that magic word, free, and uh, you got uh, actually almost 100% of of our uh, current students uh, ended up uh, replying." Uh, that they wanted a gift. And then we, uh, we were able to raise up 30 volunteers uh, to help us distribute the gifts. And we had a, a time of training and prayer with our volunteers, really cast the vision to them. A lot of them, this was their first time really getting involved with international student ministry. And we said, you know, this is not an end in itself, but this, uh, this event is a means to an end. The end being a genuine, loving, gospel-centered relationship. So it's your responsibility to go deep with them. And you're, by you being a part of this, you're giving me permission to put a little bit of uh, fire uh, under your feet uh, over the semester to just remind you, hey, have you reached out to your students? And so uh, we're actually really excited. Uh, we've started, our, uh, started the Welcome Back gift distribution uh, this last weekend, um, yeah, just uh, myself and a couple other brothers, we went out two by two. And uh, we had uh, for both Saturday and Sunday afternoon, we only had a few houses that we visited, but we were out for like four and five hours because we just got into these great conversations with, with the students and was even able to share the, the gospel with a couple of them. So uh, we're hoping that over the semester that our volunteers will just keep, keep on 
you know, lifting these, these relationships up, you know, just ha have some consistency in their relationship that they'll be, you know, dropping by, bringing them some banana nut bread, some sweets, you know, just the beautiful thing about Indian culture, especially uh, it's open door hospitality culture. So you don't really have to, you know, call them before you, you drop by, you just knock on their door. And if, if they're home, they're like, you know, usually they're like, oh, good to see you, James. And come on in and have some tea with me, have some chai. Or if they're making dinner, you know, you're automatically going to be invited and, and break bread with them. So anyways, I could keep on going, but we're actually really excited about what uh, this this pandemic, uh, the opportunities that it's uh, it's giving us to go deep with these students. And it sounds like you guys have a whole lot going on and uh, some volunteers, but I'm sure you have needs for other people who would step up and, and volunteer. So if somebody wanted to contact your ministry or get involved uh, with SIT, uh, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, so uh, really simple. They could email us at sit at tccraleigh.org. So that's S, uh, I'll do it uh, military uh, letters, right? Uh, Sierra Indigo Tango at uh, Tango Charlie Charlie Raleigh.org. Um, and uh, just drop us a line to say, hey, look, I, I'd love to get involved. I'll definitely do a shout out to our all of our Southeastern students, obviously, but especially if you're in a missions program, uh, you're in the MAIS, Intercultural Studies, you're in the 2 plus 2 program, or maybe you're, you're here, you're, uh, you're a returning uh, journeyman. I know we've got a ton of journeymen. Uh, at, at Southeastern, or if you're in the Global Studies program as an undergrad, any of those, you've got your eye on going overseas. I would say that, you know, it's, it's inconsistent if we're not going to reach the, the nations while, while we're here. So, you know, that's just a challenge for, for every one of us to, that while we're here, uh, learning about missions, that we're actually living a life on mission. And I believe that as you do that, you'll be even better prepared when you do get overseas. Really appreciate that challenge to our listening audience, not just for those that are in the RDU area or on the campus or around the campus of Southeastern, but yeah. that, that holds true across the country, uh, wherever our listeners Across are. the country. Yeah. And so absolutely. just as we kind of end our time here, uh, do you have a story you kind of uh, hinted at some really uh, incredible opportunities, even in the midst of pandemic, but Tell us a story, a brief story about how God is still using the, the ministry of SIT uh, even now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an encouraging few weeks. I mean, we've got some students. I've got a few that I've just been able to go go deep with from, from last, last year even. And uh, over the summer, there's one student in particular. Uh, I'll call him Sujit. Uh, that's not his real name, but I'll call him Sujit. And uh, he actually was a new arrival. He actually arrived in actually on Christmas Day uh, last year. So he hasn't even been here for, for a year. I met him. We have a, a sister organization on campus, Bridges. It's, uh, you know, it's related to crew, but it's the international arm. And they have this great ministry on campus where every, um, every Friday they have a, a lunch for international students. And a lot of times, like, uh, we'll, we'll go out there and we'll, uh, we'll participate with that. And it's a great way to meet students. And uh, so anyways, I met Sujit there and uh, we became friends. And uh, I just, 
yeah, like owning that, that vision, that responsibility of just keeping up with him. And I, I want to model that myself. Right. So just regularly reaching out to him over coffee, over tea. Um, I've helped him move to when the pandemic first started, you know, we weren't really meeting in person. Uh, so what we decided was we would do, he was really interested in learning how to cook, uh, American dishes. So we would do, we would do these like, like online, like zoom, uh, cooking shows. And I had another young guy that I've been discipling, you know, he's a se- seminary student as well. Uh, he, he joined me, uh, on those calls and we were, you know, we're here, we're, we're cooking, we're teaching him how to, how to cook pancakes and, and other, other things. And, uh, so he's learning a little bit about American culture, American food. He's doing it over. It was really funny. Actually, I was trying to teach him how to make pancakes from scratch. And then he like, we get on the call I had sent him all the uh, all of the ingredients and he's like I bought this box it's called Bisquick is it fine if I use this and I was like well that kind of defeats the purpose but sure you know like you know you can still have fun and uh anyways we're you know I always look uh, like you know Paul prays in uh, Colossians uh, 4 he says pray also for me that the Lord would open up a door uh, to share uh, the mystery of the gospel and so I'm always looking for those like those cues and so here we are we're making making pancakes. And I'm like, you know, this kind of reminds me of, of bread, you know? And so we, you know, I just transitioned to talking to him about, uh, you know, Jesus feeding the, the 5,000. And then later in the next chapter in, in John's gospel, how he talks about, I'm the bread of life, you know, and he who believes in me will never hunger or thirst again. So we, we, uh, we really advocate, you know, using, using stories, uh, Indian culture, especially just very oral uh, culture. So use stories. In the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, Moses, of course, he tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then right after that, he says, and talk about these things at, at all times, you know? And so the gospel for us is not just something that, you know, it's not something that should come out of like left field, like a curveball. Like you're talking about sports, you're talking about cricket. And then all of a sudden it's like, do you know, if you died today, you'd go to heaven? They're like, where did that come from? But it like, we really just try to embody like, always talking about spiritual things, letting just spiritual, spiritual things uh, like our, like our beliefs about Christ, stories about Christ, always just naturally coming uh, off of our lips every time we're with them. So that when we do get to the gospel, it's not a curveball to them. And, uh, and they're like, oh, wow, that's great. And then we're building on that foundation uh, with subsequent times where we're meeting with them. And uh, I just had uh, met with uh, Sujit the other day, uh, we, we delivered a, a package over to his house and we're just continuing uh, that relationship with, with him. So that's definitely one highlight that we've had, I've personally had, uh, and we've seen that uh, happen with a lot of our other students as, as well. Uh, just uh, our volunteers be able to develop those lasting uh, gospel relationships. Man, that's great. Thank you, James, so much for being with us and sharing with us about your ministry. Uh, for those of you who are mm-hmm. listening in, if you're in our area, uh, we would encourage you to reach out to SIT. If you're other places in the country, there are uh, international students on campus of every university, uh, and there are ministries uh, reaching out to them that are very much like SIT. We would encourage you to find them and to get in touch uh, with that. What a great yeah. and a great opportunity. Thank you so much, James, for being yeah. here. So we want to thank our guests for being with us today on The Scent Life. We appreciate them taking some time to highlight what they are doing and what the Lord is doing through their ministries. We do want to encourage you to look them up 
uh, online, and uh, but also if you're not in the Raleigh-Durham area, uh, find ministries that are similar to these. Some of these are actually nationwide ministries, but there are others that do similar ministries, whether it's with refugees or feeding the poor or helping international students. Uh, we, we encourage you to look these up in your area. Find a way to volunteer uh, and help these folks. If you want to know more about these ministries, you can go to our website at thecgcs.org. And under events, you will find our virtual ministry fair. If you'll click that drop down box, you'll be able to see details about each of these ministries, find out a little bit more about their activities. And we do encourage you to participate in any way. Don't let the global pandemic lock you in your house and steal the joy that's available as you participate in God's mission that's taking place around you. Uh, let's pray for these ministries as we wrap up our podcast this morning. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for uh, the men and women that we've talked to uh, today. We thank you for the way that you are using them uh, to change the lives of people, uh, meeting their felt needs as well as meeting their spiritual needs. We ask you, God, to give grace and wisdom. We ask that you would provide for the material needs that each of these has as they are trying to reach out and just really see your kingdom manifest uh, in the lives of those who need to see it. We ask your blessings on all that they do, all that we do. Allow us to live lives that are sent. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 